being on. Again, my name is Michael Dedemeyer. I work with a company called Network Global. Uh, wanted to do this business planning in advance for a lot of you because I think it's very, very, very important that we have goals, that we set goals, that we know what we want to achieve in our real estate careers, especially moving into markets that are tending to be a little bit different than they have been in the years past. We know this market is a little bit different. It's not a bad thing. It's just a different market. And I'm a firm believer there's no good markets. There's no bad markets. There's just markets. And we have to learn how to thrive in spite of the market. You know, back in the day in, in 08, it was a different market. It was a market where all of a sudden we had tons of inventory, strong buyer's market, foreclosures, short sales. It was a great opportunity for investors, for first-time home buyers, for people looking to buy a home. It was not the best market for someone looking to sell a home, but it didn't make it a bad market for everybody. It just made it a market. So in this planning advance today, what I want to talk about is a little bit about where we're going as a real estate market, where we're heading as an individual, and how we're going to get there. And that's my aim today is to help you get a plan around what your income wants to look, what you want your income to look like and how you're going to achieve it. So with that said, let's dive in and get going. So the first thing we need to ask ourselves is where is the market heading? Where is it going? Now, none of us are experts as far as, or excuse me, none of us can predict the future. None of us are in the real estate market are supposed to be the economist that can predict what's going to happen in the future. To be honest, none of us have a crystal ball. No one knows for sure. And what you're seeing right now is a lot of this, a lot of negative connotations tied around the real estate market. I can tell you, I went to a, a thing the other day on Halloween a couple of weeks ago, and everyone there, friends, family, all talking about, oh my gosh, the real estate market's getting hammered. It's terrible. Well, they're buying into national news headlines. Right? Real estate is very local. So what happens on the East Coast and the West Coast, those markets tend to have greater appreciation. Depending on where you live, your area might have, in, in the country, your area might have massive amounts of appreciation, massive amounts of depreciation in different markets. So it's important not to pay attention to headlines and look at facts and what's going on in your local market. You know, mortgage plummet demands 14%. We see a lot of this stuff and it's easy to buy into it and start saying, oh my gosh, nothing's selling, nothing's happening. The market's terrible. The real estate market, the houses are sitting on the market. It's not exactly true. It's not true at all. And that's what we have to do is look at opportunity. Look at this one. Property developers are shifting to rentals. Right. So here's what we need to think about. In a good market, quote unquote, good market, when, when the media is portraying that the market's going up, houses are selling, houses are selling, things are good. What happens is our available income goes up because there are more transactions at that point in time. And the number of available number of agents getting into the market also increases. People see that, hey, it's easy to sell a house. All right, I can put it on the market and get 20 offers. What did it look like in 2021, 2022, even beginning of this year when rates were lower? Put a house on the market, 2020 as well. They would get 50 showings, get 10 offers. Your, your seller would be so happy because they would get X amount over asking price. When that kind of market is relevant and, and, and people know about it, more people want to get in. So although there is more available income, there's also more agents competing for that available income. Now, when the market starts to go down, right, we start to see all of the, the headlines shifting from, wow, what a great real estate market. And now like, wait a minute. Things are sitting, mortgage demands plummeting, home buyers are pulling back. What happens is people start to retreat and they start to pull out. So now, although transactions may start to slow, 
also the number of people going after those transactions is also diminishing. So as you can see here, we're seeing a line go straight down. And this is what's going to happen. Now, for you, what you need to do is hang in there, get back to basics of doing what works, which is a lot of what we're going to talk about today. And when you start to do that, what you're going to see happen is your business is going to go like this because everyone else is going to be retreating. Everyone, how many times have you heard somebody say, well, you know, real estate's not working out. I'm going to get a real job. A lot of people, unfortunately, don't treat real estate like a real job. Now, real estate is one of the few professions I know that you can go to school for a week, six or seven days, put it on a credit card, your school, you can pass with a C minus or better, and then make more money than a doctor. So pretty cool industry. It's a very low bar of entry and has a ton of upside potential. Now, like most industries, we have the 80-20, right? 20% of the realtors make 80% of the money. So because of that, it creates a lot of opportunity for us to go out and get it if we treat this like a real job. So what we need to think about is while everyone else is retreating, everyone else is pulling back, everyone else is saying the market is terrible, what can we be doing to push forward, to increase, to gain market share? So that when this market does rebound, which really we're not in like a terrible market as far as, it's just, it's just a different market. Houses are sitting, we have to get better at pricing. We have to get better at having conversations with our sellers and setting expectations so that price homes will sell for a price. That, you know, so essentially, they're not going to sit. But think about this. If I can stay motivated during this and not buy into the headlines and keep my plan working and moving forward, well, then I'm going to thrive when all of these other agents start to get back in the market in a couple of years because the headlines and news are saying that it's great now. My business is going to be rolling. And that's where we want to get. So here's what we need to think about. Instead of focusing on negative news headlines, we need to be looking at what's going on in our local market. So this was pulled for St. Louis. Year-to-date number of listing transactions, 35,420 transactions. Buyer transactions so far, 34,561. This is actually a few weeks old as well. So these numbers are going to be a little bit higher by a couple of thousand. Total number of sales year-to-date, 69,982. For a total sales volume of over $20 billion at an average sale price of 286749 Now, the reason I pull this up is because look at all of the transactions that have happened so far this year. How many of those do you need to hit your income goal? Maybe 20, maybe 30, maybe 50, maybe 10, maybe five, maybe 100. My point is there's a ton of available opportunity out there. We just have to go get it. And that's what we have to do as real estate as a real estate agent, you have to go out and figure out how can I go get a fraction, a tiny fraction of this big piece of the pie out there and have a, and live an abundant life. So now all of a sudden, if I'm looking at this, am I so focused on these negative news headlines or am I mo more focused on now? Wow, there's a ton of opportunity out there that I need to go get a small, tiny piece of it. If I need to just go get 30 sales out of 70,000 available, can I do that? Do I have a plan in place to go do it? Do I have the mindset in place? Do I have the drive, the ambition, the want, all of that to go out and get my 30 transactions or my 300 transactions or my 3,000 transactions, whatever the number is, there's plenty of available opportunity, $20 billion in sales volume so far this year. All right. Think about the commissions on that. It's a lot, right? So something I want to show you, active listing inventory. In November right now, 
We're sitting at over $2 billion in active inventory. There's over $2 billion of active inventory sitting out there for you to go sell. How much of that do you need? Maybe a million, two million, 500,000, 300,000, 3 million, whatever it is. There's $2 billion in active inventory sitting out there that you could go find a buyer for right now. Average days on market. It's hovering 32 days, average days on market. Look at the last five years. Houses are still selling quickly. All right, 2017, if you look in December, 60 days. January, 71 of 2017. The homes are still selling quickly. They've actually, they've gone up a little bit since March, April, May, which is normal this time of year as well. So be thinking about that too. Average days on market going up a little bit. Homes are still selling quickly within 30 days. So if your home's sitting there for longer than 30 days, when you've got a pricing issue, most likely, you need to be having those conversations with your sellers. Months of inventory. This is an interesting one because through October, we finally hit two months of inventory in St. Louis for single family homes. Now, we have not seen two months of inventory since May of 2020. And what months of inventory is, I'll share it with you in a minute if you don't know. But this is an important slide to remember. We have two months of inventory, which means our inventory levels are going up. And what that means is that homes are sitting a little bit longer and there's more available inventory for, for buyers to buy. We went from 1.7 last month to 2.5. And if you look here, our lowest looks like it was probably in May of 2021, 1.32. Now, something I want you to think about in January of 2020, were you having issues getting buyers under contract when we had 3.8 months supply of inventory? The answer was no. You could go out and show a house most likely they could sleep on it for a night and still write an offer. So inventory going up is not a bad thing. It's going to get us away for buyers. It's not a bad thing for buyers at all because what's going to happen is it's going to open up a new vertical and a new pillar to be able to get buyers under contract easier than you could in the past over the last two years when we we're sitting at less than two months of inventory. Three types of markets. So I just shared with you where we're at. We're at a little over two months. And if you didn't know this, here it is. A buyer's market is considered anything more than seven months. Like back in 2008, we were sitting at nine, 10, 11 months of inventory or even more during certain months of that year. We were in a very strong buyer's market. A balanced market is anything roughly between five and seven months. Call it five to six, you hit seven, you shift into that. Anything less than five months, we're in a seller's market. So we've been sitting in a very, very, very strong seller's market for a couple of years now. We're still in a seller's market. So to tell your sellers that homes aren't selling right now is doing them a disservice just because interest rates are high. Homes are selling. There's a lot of home selling. So we're still in a very low, or excuse me, we're still in a very strong seller's market and inventory starting to creep up a little bit. Who knows where it goes next month? Maybe we go to three months. In the spring, maybe it goes up a little bit higher. Getting to a balanced market, though, would not be the end of the world. It would actually be a good thing for a lot of reasons. So this was pulled a month ago. And the reason I wanted to share it with you was, what are all of our experts predicting? So this is interest rate mortgage projections. Now, this is why I say no one has a crystal ball. Because look at, look at 2022 Q4, which we're in right now. Freddie Mac said we'd be at 5.4. Fannie Mae said 4.8. The Mortgage Bankers Association said 5.2. National Association of Realtors said 6% for an average of 5.4. Think about where are rates right now, depending on points and things like that. If you're not paying points, are they hovering around 7%, something like that? So these numbers are off. Now, all of these estimates are predicting that rates will go down over the next year. 
5.3, 5.2, 4.8 for an average. Will they? Nobody knows for sure. Everyone can guess, and there are a lot of very smart people out there, much smarter than I. They don't know for sure, because if they did, these numbers would be more accurate. So they're taking a best case you know, estimate, essentially, or guess, and hoping for the best. So we don't know where rates are going. All right. Let's just assume rates could go up, rates could go down, rates could stay the same. We don't know. And what we've seen so far is our projections are off a little bit. And just because an interest rate is higher does not mean people don't want to buy homes. And that's as often what I tell people is that people will buy a home. Most people aren't buying their single family home that they're going to live in for an investment. They think they are in a sense. But the reason they're buying their home is they're buying it because they want a better school district. They want a bigger house. They want a finished basement. They need more bedrooms. They want a better backyard. They want a walkout basement. They want a three-car garage. They want a bigger yard for their kids. They're buying a home because they want it something better for their family. So there's always going to be people looking to buy and sell homes, regardless of the market. If you look at interest rates over, I think it was from 1980 to 1990, we're in double-digit interest rates. Sometimes they get up to like 16, 17%. People still bought homes. So that's something to keep in mind. And I get pricing has gone up. So affordability is certainly affected. And there's still a lot of opportunity out there to go sell homes. Now, let's talk about pros and cons of the market right now. We have really one con, maybe two, because pricing was up. We've had a lot of appreciation over the last couple of years in a lot of different markets throughout the country. Rates are higher and appreciation is still up, which is starting to flatten out a little bit. The pros of buying right now, though, is we can ask for closing costs again. We can do seller paid buy downs, the seller paid two rate, two one uh, rate buy down, which I'll share with you here in a minute. Seller paid repairs, seller paid improvements, negotiation. You can pay less than asking price potentially. All right. You don't have to waive appraisal like we've had to do so many times. You don't need to waive inspections. You can you can actually negotiate inspections. You have time to think, all right? It's not like you have to run in and rush right now. Now, are homes still selling first day on the market? Absolutely, all right? But a house that's been sitting there for 10 days, no offers yet, you've got some time to think on that. You can write contingencies again, potentially. First-time home buyers are coming back because now all of a sudden they're not having to overpay $30,000, dollars $50,000 for a home. They're not having to kick in um, you know, certain amounts of cash and things like that. It's getting back to a little bit more of a balanced market. So these are things to think about. We have got some serious pros in this market right now. And it's not just because rates are high that stuff isn't happening. Stuff is still happening and there's a lot of advantage right now. So look at the 2-1 buy down. The 2-1 interest rate buy down. And this is something you're gonna to wanna to talk to your lender about and you're starting to see it come up more and more and more and it's becoming a more popular program. The 2-1 buy down essentially is if I, let's just say, look at the left here. If I was buying a $500,000 house at 5% down, my loan amount would be 475. If my rate and rates are a little different now, I get it. But just assuming rate was at 6.125%, APR 6.7, my total monthly payment would be 288,000. 288, or excuse me, $2,886. Now, with a different market, they could either do a price reduction, the seller, if their home wasn't selling, and look at the numbers here, same exact stuff, 5% down at a 480 sale price, 456 loan amount, 6.1% interest. Uh, my payment is 2,770. Net proceeds to the seller, 480, you know, before commissions and such. But if I did a buy down, if I went to the seller and did a buy down and I asked them for 
give I'll give you your asking price at five hundred thousand, five percent down, four seventy five loan amount. What's going to happen is you're buying down the interest rate. So you're buying down the interest rate in the form of two percent in the first year. So that's why it's a two one buy down. So in the first year, I'm going to get two percent less on my interest rate. I'm going to get five percent or 1% less in the second year. And then the third year, it's going to go back to what the, the prime rate was for today. So my APR is the same as over here on the left, term 360. So now my first year payment is $2,302 principal and interest. It goes up then to 2586 in year two, goes up again to the normal rate or the normal price of 2886 in year three. Now, the cool thing about this is it's going to cost the seller 10 grand because you're going to get this in the form of a closing cost credit. So you're going to ask the seller to buy, essentially buy your rate down. So instead of getting a price reduction, I could ask my seller to get a buy down rate. I'm going to pay a little bit more, but my payment's going to be quite a bit cheaper. So this is just a different way of thinking about selling a home. And here's what you talk to your clients about. If the property does refinance, or excuse me, if rates do drop, you can refinance and lock in. So these are all things to think about. And I know people are going to push back on stuff like that. But all I'm trying to do right now is plant seeds to get you thinking creatively instead of just focusing on rates or 7%. What can I do to get my buyer to get in at 5% for the first year, 6% for the second year, 7% for the third year? Chances are rates will go back down in the next two years and they can lock in, refinance it, let's say four and a half percent, even better. Now their payment drops even more. Be thinking about that. When you go to buy a car, what's the first thing somebody asks? What's your, what do you want your monthly payment to be? Be asking those questions with seller, with buyers as well, because oftentimes buyers are buying a payment. They're buying a monthly payment. They're not buying a purchase price. So this is just another tool to have, whether you want to use it or not. It's just another tool that you can use to help your buyers. So talk to your lenders about this. See if they offer the program. Have, because there's a three, two, one buy down as well, where you do it for three years. You get dropped three percent, two, one instead of a two, one. So be thinking about that. Just another tool for the toolbox to use. Now, we talked about where our market is going. Now what we need to talk about is where am I heading as an individual? I know where the market's kind of going. Where am I going as an individual? So the first thing I want to talk about is I need to know my numbers, meaning you need to know your numbers. How much money do you want to earn? And this is where we get into the business side of it, the business planning. How much do you want to earn in 2023? What is your income goal? Be thinking about that. And let's just say it's $100,000. And I want to make $100,000. And my average commission, now what I need to figure out is I need to take my average sale price, multiply it by my average commission. So if my average sale price is $250,000 times, say, 3%, that's $7,500 a year, or excuse me, per, per transaction. So now what I want to do is I'm, if I know I'm going to make $7,500 per closing on average, how many closings do I need a year? So what I want to do is I want to take my income goal. And I'm going to divide that by my average transactions. Go look at the bottom there. I'm going to take $7,500. I'm going to divide it by $100,000. And that's going to give me, excuse me, I'm going to take $100,000. I'm going to divide it by $7,500. And that's going to give me, I need 13.3 transactions to close. So if I want to make $100,000 in 2023, and I'm using $100,000 just because it's simpler math. I'm still using the calculator there. But if I wanted to do $100,000, and that's what I wanted to earn, let's just say I just wanted to gross that. I didn't. I wasn't worried about my splits or my, my cap to my brokerage or my expenses. 
my gross, my GCI, gross commission income is 100,000. And my average sale price is 250,000. And I get on average 3%. I would need 13.3, let's just round up and call it 14 closings. I need 14 closings in order to hit my income goal. So look at the formula, take a picture of it, do what you want there. Figure out what do you want? What is the number of homes that you need to sell? That's the first number we need to know. How many homes do I need to sell in order to hit my income goal? Now, once I have the number of homes that I need to sell, what I want to do is I want to shift to this page and I want to start accounting for how many people do I need to agree to work with me and how many appointments do I need to set in order to hit this number. So if you look here, let's just say it says how many signed listing contracts do you need? We're going to call that listing or buyer contracts. And what we're going to go off of is a conversion of 80%. Make And, and if you know your conversions, use it. I'm using 80% as an average. But what I'm saying is that if I have to go on a certain number of appointments, if I go on 10 appointments, I'm most likely not going to get all 10 appointments to agree to work with me. But if I can get eight out of 10, that's really good. And if I can list or get eight out of 10 people to agree to buy or sell with me, and I can close 80% of that, well, then I'm in pretty good shape. Now, your conversions might be 100%. Maybe your business is 100% SOI. Maybe it's a, a very strong pillar of farming where you've built a lot of trust. Whatever it is, maybe your conversion is 100% and that's fantastic. Maybe your conversion is 50% because you're going on expireds and for sale by owners and uh, internet leads and everything like that. Know your number though. And this is stuff where as you start to get your business really going, you want to source where your business is coming from so you can see where you can increase your pillars. So if I want to look here, I want to say, how many listing or buyer contracts do I need signed? So what I'm going to do is I'm gonna take the number of closings that I needed. So as I said, with 100,000, it was 13, but since my math's already done here, I'm gonna say it was 35. If I need 35 closings to hit my goal, so I need to close 35 homes in 2023 to hit my goal, I would need to go on and get 44 people to agree to sign with me. So 35 closings is my income, is my number I need to hit my income goal per this formula. All right, so put in whatever your number was from the previous slide, whatever your number was, put that in. But if I need 35 closings, I'm going to divide that by 80%, my conversion rate. So divide that by point whatever your conversion rate is. If it's a 50% conversion, by 0.5. 35 divided by 0.8 for me, and this is an example, but 44 people I need to get signed. Now I want to take a step further, and if I need 44 people to agree to work with me in order to close 35 houses, then I would need, sorry, my phone keeps going. Then I would need, I need to take 44 signed listing agreements or buyer agency agreements and divide that now by another 8.8, 80%. That gives me 55 appointments. So in 50 weeks, say, I know there's 52 weeks in a year, but let's factor out Christmas and you take a week of vacation or whatever, maybe you work less, so factor that in. But I'm just going to say I take two weeks of vacation. So it's, I work 50 weeks out of the year. If now all of a sudden I know I need to go on 55 appointments, I need to go on 1.1 appointment a week. So I need to be averaging over an appointment a week to hit my goal. But now with this math, what it allows me to do is I know for this year, I need to set 55 appointments. I need to get of those 55 appointments that I go on, I need at least 45, 44 of them to agree to work with me. Of the 44 I agree to sign up and work with me, I need to close 35 to hit my income goal. So does that make sense? And if you have questions, drop comments in. Um, 
I've got another really cool sheet, but I want to make sure like we're clear on that. Now all of a sudden I know I've got my appointment goal. Now, something I have is a, is a calculator that it's called a win the day formula. And what this is, and I'll share it with anybody that wants it. I'll have all my contact information on at the end. I can email it to you. Um, what this is, is basically you can punch in your income goal at the top, and then you can put your mix. How many buyers do I typically work with? How many sellers do I typically close? Put that in. And then what you're going to be able to do is it's going to whip up a formula for you and a number, and it's going to calculate all of these numbers for you. And it's going to end up giving you a per contact a day uh, number. So that's why I call it the win the day. Let's just say that number ends up being 15. That means I need to talk to 15 people a day about a, with a real estate related conversation in order to hit my income goal. So it's a really cool thing. So if you want it, I'm going to have my information on the end uh, of this and you can just send me an email and I'll make sure I get that to you. So now that we know our income goal and now that we know how many appointments we need to be going on every single week and how many of, and what our conversion, this is the stuff, if you haven't tracked this yet, this is the stuff you want to be tracking because you need to know your numbers. You need to know where your business came from. You need to know, how am I doing? Because like me back in the day, when I was a brand new realtor selling real estate back in the day, when I would go on an appointment, I wouldn't get it, right? Because I wanted to get into rapport. I wanted to be friendly with them. I didn't really have any value to bring them. Keep in mind, a seller is hiring you because they, they see you as an expense and they're hiring you. They're going to hire the person that offers the most value. While rapport is, rapport is very important, I need to showcase enough value. But if I go on 10 appointments and I only get one and my conversion rate is 10%, well, and my goal is you know, to earn a certain income, I need to go on a lot of appointments or I need to get better at my presentation skills. I need to get better at my closing skills. I need to get better at showing enough value to agree, people, agree for people to want to come work with me. So a couple of ways to do that. Practice, right? Talk to other successful agents, figure out what they're doing. Start to add things into your to your presentation. Work on closing. Work on your presentation skills. Get really good at this because if I can get my conversions to 80% or higher, well, now all of a sudden, hey, if I go on 10 appointments and I get nine of them, that's fantastic. If I get nine people and I close every one of them, that's even better. All right, so conversions are very important. So I would definitely start tracking this right away if you're not. Questions on this, drop them in. We're going to go on to the next slide. All right, this is the win today calculator that I said I would share with everybody. Um, I'm not going to click on it right here because once I open that up, it throws my whole presentation off. So um, let me know if you want it, though. Send me an email, michael at networkglobal.com. I'll have all my information at the end. Now, what I want to talk about is where am I going or how am I going to get there? So we talked about where the real estate market is going or headed, potentially. We talked about where we want to go as an individual. Where do I want to go? What do I want my income to be? Now, how am I going to get there? This is a very, very important. This is 90% of the formula here is believing that you can do it and having a plan around how you're going to get there. So with traditional business planning, what people will tell you is that you'll set an income goal for 2023. You might make, and this is what I used to do, I'd make a big elaborate business plan, say in September, because what I do today shows up 90 days from now. So the activity I'm doing today I can start to benefit the rewards and have success from these activities within 60 to 90 days. So what people will tell you is do your business planning in September, which I don't disagree with, September, October, and then you set a yearly income goal. Now here's the challenge I see with a yearly income goal. Let's say my yearly income goal for 2023 is $100,000. And let's say in January, I don't make any money. I make zero. So I have no closings in January. All of a sudden now it's like, well, What's my mindset? My mindset typically shifts to, 
well, I've got 11 months left. I've got plenty of time. So I have 11 months to hit 100,000. It's a lot of time. I got a lot of year left. It's not going to be a problem. Let's say in February, I make 22 grand, three grand. Let's say I make 5,000. So if I did that, now all of a sudden it's like, hey, I still have 10 months. Life's good. All right. So life's good. I've got 10 months left. Not a problem. Let's say I get to June and I'm at $30,000. Halfway through the year, I'm at $30,000. Now all of a sudden, I have a I have to make a decision. So I've got six months left. In the first six months, I made 30. I should be at least 50 or more. All right. So now I'm at 30. So now I have to make a decision. I can either increase my activity, increase my output, go do more to make $70,000 in the next six months, which I've only made 30 in the first six. Or what most people do is I can lower my target. I start making sense of a lower number. You know what? If I made 75, that's better than I did last year. You know what? If I made 60, that's better than I did at my last job when I had a when I had a real job. Right? We start making sense of a lower target. Instead of hundreds the goal, we never want to lower a target. If my goal was 100, I want to do everything I can to get to 100. And doing a yearly goal typically does not work because for the reasons I just pointed out there. We get halfway through the year, and if we're behind, we start to justify and make sense of a lower number. So what I want to show you today is a different way to goal set. And the way we want to do this, for one, is think about this, and this ties into my last comment. The reason we tend to not be at our income goal is, for one, we have very inconsistent lead generation activities. So at the top there, you can see this is where the real estate roller coaster comes from. If I'm doing the activities consistently, I'm not going to have this problem. When I'm doing them inconsistently, though, this is what my business looks like, right? I start, I stop, I start, I stop. I start, what happens is I start getting people to work. I start doing the lead generation activities. I get people to agree to work with me. And then all of a sudden, I get really busy with the people that have agreed to work with me. And I abandon everything that got me to the point to get those clients. So I service those clients. I provide great customer service. I get closed. I get paid. And now what? I have to start over. So now I have to start over. And that's what this looks like. And it takes, as I mentioned before, 60 to 90 days to ramp up. So now all of a sudden, I'm starting over. I'm starting from scratch. I'm building my business again. And I'm in a constant cycle of needing to rebuild my business every 60 to 90 days. I don't want to do that. So what I want to do is start building some habits around what can I do consistently to keep my business going? My win the day number. If I know my win the day number is 14 people that I need to talk to, I need every single day to talk to 14 people. Monday through Friday, I'm going to talk to 14 people and have a real estate related conversation. Well, if I can commit to that every single day, Monday through Friday, chances are my business is going to look like the graph at the below here, which is just a consistent flow of lead generation activity. So if I can do that, I'm going to start getting my business really, really consistent, which is what I want. So think about this. Motivation is what gets you started. Habits what keeps you going. It's easy to get motivated, but motivation only lasts so long. It's easy to go to a conference, to go to a seminar, to walk out and feel like, man, I'm going to take on the world. That was incredible. I do a mastermind group in Arizona for a couple of days a week or a year, um, or excuse me, four times a year for two days. I walk out of there just feeling like, man, I've got so many ideas. I've got so I'm excited. I'm motivated. Motivation wanes, though. It's going to fall off after a while. So when you're not feeling motivated, just stay consistent. Consistency is the key to this business. So I need to develop consistent habits that are going to keep pushing my business forward every single day. If I can commit to my win the day number, if I can commit to a certain uh, number of lead generation activities, 
If I can commit to a certain number of open houses, I'm doing a week. If I can commit to whatever it is, if I can build a habit around consistently talking to my database, about consistently doing lead generation activities, my business is going to continue to thrive rather than be on that roller coaster like this. I don't want to be here. This is a bad place to be when I'm when I'm on the real estate roller coaster because all the fear, all the doubt, all the neg all that stuff creeps in, right? When I have nothing going on, all of a sudden we start thinking about maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I should go get a different job. Maybe I just wasn't cut out to be a realtor. Maybe I should go get a part-time job. All of that doubt starts to creep in. When I'm doing the graph below here and I'm consistently just doing what I'm supposed to do every single day, I'm going to start seeing results. Even in the beginning, you might not see results. Like for me back in the day, when I first started in, it took me like two months to set an appointment. Every day I showed up and I called expired listings and I called for sale by owners. That was I didn't have any money. I didn't really have a database. I had enough money to pay for some, some services to give me FISBO and expired data. And there was tons of them back then. That's how I built my business. All right. It took me two months though to set an appointment. Then I finally set an appointment. Then I finally got a listing. And then I got another listing and another listing and another listing. And it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes to where you can build a $20 million business as a single agent selling 80, 90, 100 homes and build a team and go on from there. It's all possible if you stay consistent. But if you do the activities up front here, it's never going to happen because you're going to have a good month. You're going to have a couple bad months. You're going to have a good month. And what's going to happen is you're going to have having four good months out of a 12 month year. And that's what we don't want. So think about that. How can I stay consistent? Now, here's what we want our business to look like. Rather than setting our 12 month goal, what I want to do, and I'm going to use 100,000 again for easy math, but here's what I want to do. I know that 20% of my business should come in the first quarter of the year, 30% in the second, 30% in the third, 20% in the fourth. So I want to break my goals down into 12 week goals, quarterly goals. So if my goal is to make $100,000 in year one, or excuse me, in 2023, all I want to focus on, if it was January 1st right now, the only thing I'm focused on is I need to make $20,000 in the next 12 weeks. So in the first quarter, all I'm focusing on is $20,000. I'm not focused on 100. So now if I have zero in January and I don't have any closings, I'm zero of 20,000. That's not good, right? But 20,000 seems more realistic to me than 100. So I'm breaking my goals into smaller chunks here to go after and go get them. So if I can focus now on, I need to make 20,000 in the first quarter, 30 in the second, 30 in the third, 20 in the fourth. Now all of a sudden my goals seem a little bit more attainable. Would everybody agree with that? Because it's not this big lofty goal that I have 12 months to achieve. It's a smaller goal that I have a shorter period to achieve. Now every single week is like a month for me. So if I have an off week, it's like I have a bad month. I don't want to have an off week. So here's what I want to do. I want to set my target first for my goal. I want to know what my quarterly goal is. So let's just say it's $20,000. Now what I want to do, and I have this tracker I can share with you as well if you'd like. But now what I want to do is I want to figure out what are five activities that I can do consistently for the next 12 weeks every single day, Monday through Friday. What's five things I'm going to commit to that are going to push my business forward? So this is just an example. We did a 2023 income goal. Again, it was from October 1. Just assume this is January 1st, though. Um, this person would have committed to lead generation time. So these are metrics. I need five metrics. So in the yellow here, the goals, that's five things I'm going to commit to that I need to do every single week. So I would be committing to 10 hours of lead generation. 
I'm going to do 10 hours of outbound lead generation, whether that's follow-up, making outbound calls, internet leads, for sale by owners, open houses, door knocking, whatever it is, I need to get 10 hours of lead generation. In. I need to add 10 people to my database every week. So I want to add 10 potential buyers or sellers to my database every week. My goal is to set one appointment for a week. I want to sign one client a week and I want to do five social media posts. So your five can be, this is again, just an example, but this will give you an idea of like, what are five things? What's five action items that you can commit to every week? And I'm happy to kind of brainstorm through these off, you know, in a different time. If you want to feel free again, email me. Um, but what's five things you can commit to? That you can say, I'm going to do this consistently every single day, Monday through Friday for the next 12 weeks. And then I'm going to track it. And this is where I can share this tracker with you. So you could put your five goals in for what are my five activity items? What's my metrics? And then how did I do? So at the end of 12 weeks, if you see in the blue here, I would be at 120 hours of lead generation. I would add 120 people to my database. I would set 12 appointments. I would sign 12 clients. Now, again, is that realistic? Maybe not because we have to go back to our percentages. So we would need to know our percentages. And I would have done 60 social media posts. Well, what happens is I can track my actual time. So let's say week one, I only did five hours and 30 minutes of lead gen. Well, I would get a 55%. Well, I added 10 to my database. I set an appointment. I actually signed two clients and I did four social media posts out of five for 80%. My score for the week was 107. If you can consistently get an average score of 85% or greater, you will achieve your income goal. So we have people on our team. We had a guy last quarter. Uh, his goal was 35,000 for the quarter. He exceeded it. I think it was like 38,000. He was consistently getting over 100% on his tracker. So if you can consistently get 85% or greater, you can most likely achieve your income goal. So the reason behind this though is one, I have to figure out why is my goal important to me, All right? So that's why we put the why up there, which we're gonna talk about here in a moment. But five metrics, what are five things I can track? So as you can see here, these are, if you've ever read, uh, there's a book that talks about leading and lagging indicators. A leading indicator would be something like lead generation. I wanna have some leading indicators in there. A lag would be something like an appointment set or assigned client. So I wanna have both of those in there, leading and lagging. So think about five things I can add to my pipeline or add to my metrics, five things I'm going to commit to for the next 12 weeks that are gonna help push my business forward. Now, again, this was, yeah, here we go. This was the person I was talking about. So these were his metrics. If you look here, his percent, he was 129%. Um, this was last quarter. He actually, his income goal was 30,000. That's what it was. He made $35,844. So his income goal was to make 30,000 in 12 weeks. This is a member of our team. He exceeded that. His average score for the 12 weeks, for all 12 weeks, he had, sorry, go back. He averaged 129.69%, almost 130%. So even though he had some weeks where he only hit an 85 say, overall over 12 weeks, he had 130%. He hit or exceeded his income goal by over $5,000, almost $6,000. So the reason I share this with you is that here were his metrics too. Now, Joe's been in it now. He's a young guy. He's only 22. He's been in it for since he was 19, uh, been with us since he was 19. But he had a lot of lagging metrics. And what I mean by that is his metrics that he tracked were appointment set, signed clients, properties under contract, social post. So he didn't do a lot of leading and stuff because he's built the habit. Joe knows every day he comes in here, he's going to lead generate. He's already built those lead generation habits. 
So if you haven't developed a lead generation system or lead generation habit, I would not suggest doing all lag measures like this where we're only focusing on results-based uh, metrics. I would be looking at what are some activity metrics? What are some effort metrics? What are things I can be doing every single day to help me generate things like appointments? So be thinking about that when you start talking through your metrics and looking at that. But that's a way where this is a real life example of the last quarter of an individual in real estate in his fourth year in real estate, 22 year old. Think about this too. He doesn't have any SOI because a lot of his SOI, he does have SOI, but a lot of his SOI is still in college. Right? They're junior seniors in college finishing up. So he's going to have a massive next year, two years, and all of his friends start buying homes as well. His business is going to continue to go. So pretty exciting. Now, here's what you should do. When identifying your metrics, what I want you to do first is list out and prioritize where did all of your closings come from? So last year or this year or over the last three years, four years, however long you've been in it, where have all of your closings come from? So go back and think about that. I know it's a little bit of a pain if you don't have this track, but it's very important because we need to source our business. And again, this is no, nothing specific. This is all just kind of made up stuff to give an example. But I want to go back and look at where did all of my closings come from? So if I had 10 come from door knocking, calls to spheres, referrals, direct newsletters, FISBOs, open houses, all of that, I want to list out every single pillar of business, where my business came from and how many closings I had. Then what I want to do is I want to prioritize that list. And I want to be looking at, I want to be looking at now, where was my number one source? Where did most of my business come from? What was my number two source? What was my number three source? And then I want to focus on those five sources, say. I'm a firm believer. Let's just say I have one and it's SOI. Well, I need to double down on my SOI. And what can I do to double the number of sales from my SOI and start looking at adding another pillar? I often tell people, think of your business like the chair you're sitting in right now. If you're sitting in a chair right now, think of like the legs on your chair. Now, if you had one leg to your chair, you would be wobbling all over the place. If you had, and if that leg got kicked out, what happens to your business? It goes away. If you had two legs to your chair, you're a little bit more supportive. If one leg gets kicked out, you're wobbly again. So that's think of the legs on your chair like pillars of business. If I have five legs on my chair and one goes away, one gets kicked out, my chair is still stable. So the reason I bring that up is like I built my business back in the day on expired listings. The last two years, there weren't many expired listings. So one leg of my business went away. If I didn't have four or five other legs to my business, my business would be in trouble. Now, the challenge here, though, is that especially for new agents, they want to add do all of it in the beginning. They want to take this list here on number one, the list, and say, oh, I'm going to do all of this. Well, you're probably going to try all of it and not have a ton of results in the beginning and then abandon all of it and say, oh, this didn't work. So what I would do is make your SOI, your sphere of influence, a, a, a fundamental foundational point of your business. These are people that know you, like you, trust you, that are ready to, even if you're new to the business, don't let that get into your head that they're not going to work with you because you're new. They will. They're going to work with you because they know you, like you, and trust you. That should be your first thing. Get my people into my database and start systematically making contact and talking to them. 10% of your database moves every year. So if you have 100 people in your database to start that know you, like, you trust you, look through your phone, look at your friends on Facebook. Who can you add into your CRM? If you have 100 people in there, that already is 10 opportunities to make 10 sales if 10% of my database moves every year. So now I've got 10 opportunities already in there. Now I want to add a second pillar. And I want to figure out what's the next pillar that I can start adding more people in my database from and making sales from. And I want to build a system around that before I add a third pillar and I want to lead with revenue. But if you're an existing agent and you've already got this going, 
what are your top three to five pillars that you can focus on to make you more money? And if like in this instance here, if you if did 14 expireds and there's expireds are abundant in your market, I would double down on that. How do I get to 28? If I'm big on door knocking, I would go double down on that and door knock more doors or door knock the number of doors you've been doing it, but maybe more frequently and double the number there. What's cool about this, and this is something I learned back in the day in 2010 when I went to a seminar, I saw all these realtors up on stage and they're all very, very successful in their markets. Some of them doing 50, 60, 100, $200 million. And they all built their business differently. One person only focused on, he was doing tons of deals from expireds. Another one was just crushing it with for sale by owner. Somebody else door knocked four hours a day. Somebody else was doing seven open houses a week. They're doing rush hour open houses, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. So what's important about this, the reason I bring that up is that all of this works. It's a matter of what you gravitate toward and what you can commit to. So figure out where you want to prioritize your business. Like if you don't enjoy open houses, well, then maybe that shouldn't be a pillar of your business. If you go to an open house and you just dread it and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm wasting two hours of my time. Don't make open houses a pillar of your business because you're never going to generate business from it. If you love open houses and you every time you go, you love talking to people, and you love meeting people and you love and you're capturing business and getting people to work with you. Maybe that should be a pillar of your business. So focus. So the cool thing is we have like 10 or seven, eight, 10 things here. They all work. Figure out what you like to do. Make sphere of influence the first pillar and then add a second pillar. And then once you start seeing profit from it, add a third pillar and keep building your business to where you can have abundance. So again, accountability tracker that we just went over. Now what I would do is once I've prioritized my, my metrics or what I want to focus on, I want to insert what I'm going to do every single week. So let's just say my pillar is SOI and uh, expired listings. I would want to say maybe I want to have like a set number of contacts to my SOI, to my sphere of influence database. I'm going to call my entire database. You know, I'm going to call 10 people from my database every day, 50 a week. That would be a metric I would add in. But start thinking about what metrics you want to add in as far as what are you going to commit to for the next 12, every single week for the next 12 weeks and then score yourself and see how you do. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Establishing your vision. So the reason I would want to establish my vision is because for a couple of reasons. What do I mean by that? I mean that now that we have kind of a plan together on where we're going to focus our business, how we're going to put metrics together, I want to focus on now, where am I going with this? And what I mean by that is, is it possible? Because here's what I often find. People with an income goal, they say, they don't think it's possible. So I want you to set an income goal, a smart target, specific, measurable, actionable, relate, uh, relevant, and time-based. Can I achieve this goal? And if it's not possible in your mind, think to yourself, what if it was possible? What if it was possible to make $100,000 or a million dollars or $10 million, whatever your goal is? And now if I'm thinking that, okay, what if it was possible? How might I make it happen? So how might I make it happen? Now it becomes probable. And now once it's, I start using my brain to think about, like if you ever read Rich Dad Poor Dad, he talks about there's two types of people. There's people that say, that's not for me. I can't afford it. And there are the other type of person is, how can I afford it? Start you, And the people that say, I can't afford it, they shut their brain off. It's the most powerful computer in the world is your brain. And you eliminate any chance of going out and figuring out how you're going to make that happen. So how might I? So shift your thinking around that and start thinking about how could I make this possible? And here's the thing. Once we get started on this and we do our 12 week planning and we're like, hey, I'm going to go out and I'm going to hit my income rule. I'm going to make it happen. We're in phase one, uninformed optimism. We're excited. We're pumped up. We're going to make it happen. 
right? We start now. What happens is we start getting into the to the the flow of this. We're starting to do our activities. We're getting some rejection. We're feeling a little bit of a pain, right? We move into phase two, which is uninformed pessimism. That means now all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, this is a little harder than I thought. You know, real estate's a little bit harder than I thought. It looks easy on TV, all right? There's a little bit more to it. We dip down then to phase three, which is the Valley of Despair. We actually did a podcast on this Whitwin podcast. If you want to check it out, Valley of Despair. This is where most people quit. They get started, they're excited, they're motivated, they're hungry, they want to go make it happen, they want to hit their income goal. Now all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, this is a lot harder than I thought. Because I promise you, it's going to be a lot harder than you thought. Making changes and doing new things is going to be a lot harder than you think. It always is. The question is remembering why you did it to begin with. Because if you can push through phase three and get to phase four, informed optimism. Now I know what I didn't know before. I know the setbacks. I know the pitfalls. I know the things that are going to happen. Now all of a sudden I can keep moving forward. And if I keep doing my habits consistently every single day, I'm going to move on to phase five, which is success and fulfillment. And I'm going to achieve my goal. So be thinking about that. This is not going to be easy. Real estate is not an easy business. Like the general thing of writing contracts and all that's fairly simple, but the, 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 the grit that it requires to succeed in real estate, it's not an easy business. It's a contact sport. You've got to talk to people. You're going to have ups and downs. Houses are going to get under contract. Deals are going to fall apart. It's not an easy business. But when you get to phase three and you feel like quitting, that's when you have to turn up a notch and say, you know what? Why did I start? What was my why? Why did I want to do this to begin with? Why was it important to me to become a real estate agent? Well, because I wanted to have control my own destiny. I wanted to have unlimited capabilities and never have a ceiling on my income. I wanted to provide better for my families. Whatever that why was, go back to that. When you start feeling burned out, think about this. A vacation is not going to solve your burnout. People don't burn out because of what they do. They burn out because life has a way of making them forget why they're doing it. So go back to why am I doing this? I want to provide a better education for my kids, a better house for my kids. I want to Whatever your why is, I want to be out of debt. I'm tired of having debt collectors call. That was my why back in the day. Right? Whatever your why is, make sure you go back to that and remember, because it will get tough. But if you keep pushing through it, I promise you, it's going to keep going. And that's where this comes into play. Problems are a part of life. Everyone thinks once you get to a certain financial point, problems just stop. It doesn't. They actually get worse. You just get better at knowing how to deal with them. Sometimes they get more expensive. The more money you have, the more expensive your problems can become. All right? Everyone has problems. It's how we deal with them. Problems are a part of life. Facing them is an art of life. Being able to face your problems head on and know that no matter what level of success I get to, how much money I have, I'm still going to have problems. It's how I deal with them. And it's the same way with your business, how I deal with it. No matter what the market's saying right now, how am I responding to it? How am I focusing on it? What am I doing to make sure I thrive in spite of the market? Very important. So with this, uncover the questions, the, the degree of ownership. So what are the, why is this important to you? Right? What are you going to be able to do if you reach your vision that you can't do today? Who's the person you become? Right? What will be different for you, for your family, for your friends, your peers? Are you willing to commit to these actions? Who have you shared your vision with? This is important. Right? How often are you looking at your vision? I'm big on writing goals down, goal setting, looking at what's important to me every single day. Right? What risk or barriers exist that might get in the way of me reaching my goals? Right? And how can, how can I help it? I'm happy to support you. If you want to go on this, I'm happy to help you, hold you accountable, do whatever I can to help you guys hit your goals. So be thinking about that, right? The greatest value here in this is it's not about the money, right? It's the person you become. Like for me, take all the money away, take all everything away, cars, all of that stuff. Like I still have me, right? I've got my courage. I've got my grit. I've got the knowledge. I know that I can do it again, 
right? And that's the greatest value in becoming a highly successful person is that the knowledge and the person you become through the process. So be thinking about that and know this, if you don't take your vision serious and you're not, don't have a big enough why tied to your income goal, it's just gonna be a number on the paper. So make sure your vision is meaningful to you. Make sure it's not too small, but also make sure you feel that it's attainable, right? And connect it to your daily actions. What am I supposed to do every single day to make this happen? Share it with other people. Peer accountability. You're more likely to hit your goal if you're sharing it with other people. We do what's called a weekly accountability meeting with our team where people come in and we track all of their metrics in those sheets that I shared with you and those trackers. And we go through exactly how they did. You got a 65%. How did you feel? Well, I had this come up or this come up or this come up. We need, we need to be looking at that and take ownership of what did my week look like every single week? So if you can connect to it and share it with other people and stay in touch with your vision, live with intention, what's going to happen is you're going to be a person now that starts thinking abundantly and not scarcely. Right? Difference between a, th a scarcity thinker and an abundant thinker is there's never enough. There's always enough. The real estate market's not bad. The real estate market is different. Interest rates are higher, yes, and there's opportunities and people are still buying homes. Homes are sitting on the market a little bit longer and they're still selling. Right? Think abundantly. And when you start to commit to your activities every single day and you start coming in and you're just hitting the pavement, go, 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 that's when things start to happen. You become more creative. You become more confident. You become a better business owner, a better real estate agent. You start to believe that it's possible. And it starts by saying, committing that I'm going to do this. No matter what it takes, I know I'm going to have challenges. I know things I'm going to be faced with issues. I'm going to push forward regardless of those challenges or issues that I hit. And once I do that, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to become abundant. And what's neat about this 12-week planning that we've shared with you, you can do it with any part of your life, not just your business. So how do I become a well-rounded person? Physically, personally, business, spiritually, financially, community, family, you can do it with all of that. So thank you guys. And we're just about out of time as well. But I appreciate you being on. Uh, if you have questions, here's all my contact information. Take a screenshot. Uh, happy to go through and help you plan individually for your 2023 income goals. Uh, so shoot me an email. Uh, happy to go through it. And I will respond to you. Uh, I am traveling out of the country tomorrow, but I'll be checking uh, my emails throughout the flight and everything like that. So happy to set something up if you want to go through and specifically put your metrics together on what you want to focus on for the next 12 weeks. Happy to do it. Send me an email uh, or shoot me. My cell phone's on there as well. Shoot me a text or an email. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you being on. Yeah.